And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hey, Startup Hustlers. Uh, this is your guest host, Ron Chigetta, the, the last of a four-part series on biotech and Synbio startups at iAccelerate. I accelerates the uh, accelerator that I run, which works with promising food tech and biotech startups. And I am really pleased to be here uh, on this last installment with one of the one of my advisors and an advisor that I work with through Accelerate. Uh, and but I'm going to introduce him in a minute. I want to take a moment first to uh, uh, thank uh, Full Scale for sponsoring today's podcast. Go learn how Fullscale helps you build a winning software team quickly and affordably by visiting fullscale.io. Okay, so our guest today with, uh, is a great pleasure to always, actually always a great pleasure to talk to Ryan, Ryan Patel. Uh, Ryan's a world-renowned go-to authority on global business, political economy, and corporate governance. You may have seen him on Bloomberg, on CNN, on Fox Business News, uh, and he's he's pretty ubiquitous uh, business advisor on at least on the West Coast, uh, but he's worked all over the world. He's an expert in scaling businesses. He's worked for startups to publicly traded customers. Uh, he has he has taken products international. He has a deep knowledge in strategic global market development, uh, concept scalability, digital transformation, global trade, consumer-driven marketing, and leadership development. And he's a thought leader in the global business realm across a whole bunch of industries, including food. Uh, and uh, as I can attest, really a great guy to talk to, just really a lot of fun. Uh, so Ryan, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and taking the time out of your busy schedule. A, a slightly less telegenic, uh, tele telegenic experience than usual, uh, but we appreciate you coming down. Um, so do you want to give people like, a, what, what's your buy in terms of what you do? Like. I think people sort of hear global strategist in business, but maybe we should get into, you know, sort of some details there. And what, what does that mean to people you think? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because people try to put me in a box or, you know, I think people are a lot more open. And if I had to put my skill set, it's, it's the scale things and, you know, and that's, and it touches a lot of different things. Like you mentioned, I did it for help scale three publicly traded companies. Then I took a startup to global and then had an exit. You know, now I, I feel I live in, kind of multiple buckets, right? I sit on, you know, boards, you know, different types of boards, right? I sit on the, you know, advisory board, um, you know, advisory board for MasterCard Innovation, uh, Drucker School of Management, you know, and some other CPG companies. And you've got, you know, the speaking piece, as you mentioned, you know, being able to speak at Davos and, you know, HP Innovation, you know, leading their conversation with the future. And, you know, then, you know, being in the media and being one of the points for the newsroom, on business breaking news and being, you know, talking about trade wars and tech and startups and really tying complex ideas to simple things. And, you know, and then obviously teaching courses at, at Claremont Graduate University on global leadership. Like for me, I just want to be able to make an impact. And, and you know, it's kind of that governance aspect of just 
helping and assisting things that I didn't have. And I do keep it that simple, but you know, I think we can scale things globally. We're so much more interconnected than ever before. And my experience has allowed me to provide these opportunities to, to do that. And that's what gets me up every day to, to be able to make that impact. And you always have a lot of energy. <laughs> Despite all the fact you're doing, that's a, sign of, that's a sign that you're doing something, that you're living a good life as well as, as, as having an exciting career. Uh, I definitely identify with that. I mean, uh, you're also really easy to talk to. I mean, uh, I, I mean, it is your ability to sort of bring things down to sort of like the topic at hand, operationally, what, tactically, what's happening right now, and still be connected to these global movements. I think that's something I always found to be you know, amazing when I deal with you. Well, no, thank you. I, I, don't, I, I kind of feel like when you give me that compliment, it's like, I didn't have a choice though. That's how it was through my career. It's like, here, go figure it out. Go, go figure it out. Oh, by the way, your job description is this, but too bad. You got to do all these other things. And, you know, I think when you're kind of trained through that, you see with a different lens and, um, and I got, you know, you can say I got lucky that I did realize really early in my career, how things were interconnected, that it wasn't in silos. And, you know, in the old days, it was told that, you know, you're supposed to, you know, stay at one job and, and, and be there for 25 plus years. And let's just be honest, I wanted that. Like, I actually really wanted that, but that wasn't in my cards. And that's, that's what happened to me too. And, and that's yeah, what's in my cards. And now everybody's like, oh my God, it's so great that you're doing all this. I was like, I didn't really have a choice, but yeah, it worked out that way. You know, when I was on the podcast with Matt DeCourcy before, like, he basically described business very well. He sort of basically said, and he was talking about startups, but I think it's true for all business. Like, I think he basically said that, uh, you know, you know, you, you make plans, but then you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really about sort of being able to respond to whatever happens. And there's all the unexpected things that happen that really makes uh, success in business and life and, and in general. Um, I, uh, we were going to talk about what we did this week, but I actually, uh, 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 I want to say something else. Oh, well, hey, well, let's talk about what you did this week. You just came back from giving a talk. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, you know, you, you've, uh, you know, I work with you in the food world. You're actually very accomplished in food. You, you've worked with Panda Express. You, you sort of took Pinkberry International. Those are a couple of my favorite stories. Uh, but you were working in FinTech this week. Yeah. You know, I keynoted, um, you know, one of the larger associations for all the credit union CEOs, right? And, and VP staffs. And, you know, the title of the talk was around the future of the financial services sector. So I was given trends and macro trends, not within, not just within financial services, but in other places from supply chain, food, things that, you know, because at the end of the day, it's consumer related, right? You know, if you think of credit unions specifically, they are all about the community, which is many for startups, right? It's about building a community from start. And they've been doing it uh, very for a long time. And I used an example, funny enough, um, around fintech and startups. And usually when you tell larger organizations about how startups are coming or coming behind and, you know, either they dismiss you, <laughs> they just kind of go, well, we're too big. They, they, they can't catch up. Or, you know, the, maybe in the last couple of years, it was like, well, yeah, the, you know, we got to figure something more innovative so we can beat them. Now I was talking about collaboration. I was talking about, you know, I, I've always talked about it, but I think it was more receptive than ever before, Ron. Like, fin, you know, in, in, you know, hey, we can figure out how to partner with startups. It's not, you know, because I know this from the start, from the startup realm, it's so hard for anyone to even take your phone call, <laughs> even to listen to That's you, right. to say, hey, I got a product that I want you to listen to. And I think there are more willingness to open and listen. That doesn't make it easier. 
that you have to mm -hmm. still sell and tell the story of the model. But I think people's eyes are a lot more open going, well, we've got to move with the consumer. We've got to move to be more con convenient. We've got to move to be more secure with our data. So all these things that I just mentioned to you, no matter what industry you're on, all matters, right? These are questions that, you know, startup founders and food and, and whatever you want, you have to have answers to this regardless. It's really, it, it's really changed a lot. I think in the last, even just the last five years, like when I started off investing just seven years ago, it was really hard to get people's attention. But now there's a lot of rapt attention from established players. And I think it's because everybody's getting touched. I mean, that punch in the face is happening. Uh, I, I was just reading, I think I, I was reading a newspaper in the financial center section that like the banks are start. is it true? Like, am I, did I read this right? The banks are actually sort of getting kind of like their roles getting disrupted because pe so many people are taking on banking roles. Some of these little companies are, are trying to replace banks and it's easier to start a bank than ever and cheaper. And so, uh, the larger banks are wondering, like, well, what are we going to be doing in 10, 20 years? Is, is, did I hear that right, you think? I mean, the banking industry as a whole, right, I mean, there's a lot of regulation involved in it. I think that the banking, of the way we view banking is going to change the view. Like, that's for sure. That doesn't mean that they're going to go away, especially these larger banks. But, find something but if you think about how, and this is how I, I like to use the example, think about payments. Think about mm -hmm. how payments has evolved over the last five to six years worldwide not just in the US, right? If you look at a stat digital wallet, you know, in the US it's only used, the digital wallet for payments only used for like, I don't know, 11 to 16%. In Asia, China specific, it's 70%. Latin America, it's north of 40%. So that means that trend is coming, is here. It's not going anywhere, it's going that way. So what does that mean? That means a processing fee, having, you know, payment immediately, transfers immediately, that's all pushing forward, which does challenge the traditional way of banking and and that includes loans too right just look at the loan process now for you know if you wanted to go raise funds and how fast it would come it's faster than ever before and i think click a button and then there's like you're you're approved yeah and i think and i think if you see some of these my you know micro trends it is going to push the macro trends in the banking industry um because that consumers and customers like all of us are asking for it, right? And it's not just one voice, it's a whole group of voices. And that's really how disruption will maintain, right? It's 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 like COVID, you know, some companies have learned that, hey, you know, I wanna be more empathetic and I wanna do these things for, you know, be more remote. Well, if you were saying that two years ago, now you're coming outside the pandemic and saying, well, you know, we're not that anymore. Well, pick your values and and and, and it's a longevity piece, pick it and then stand with it. Don't, don't go back and forth, just, you know, decide so it's clear for everybody. And I think another thing that's a, just sort of make this a more general sort of discussion too, I think one of the things is that like, it, as this disruption is starting to hit uh, a lot or innovation starting to hit a lot of different industries and a lot of different people, like at this conference you're at, I, I imagine a lot of people are still not quite feeling it and they're really not reacting to it yet. Is that right? Like, I, I mean, I think everybody, I, you, you think about all, in, you know, I think everyone is a little shell-shocked, not in general, right? You, you, you move so fast. I think there was a great example of like, you just got things done. You had to get things done. You're working yeah. from home. You felt like you were working more hours. I mean, not, you probably were working more hours. Mm -hmm. All hands were in deck because everybody's, you know, jobs were on the line. Everybody wanted to get revenue. Now, 
you know, now you're on the other side. Hopefully we're, we're on the process. Eventually, you know, we're going to recover. We're going to see some, you know, ups and downs still. So we still need some resiliency, but there's a different type of outlook of like, okay, now what? Can't do hundred hundred things at the same time. What should we be focusing on to know, to know that we put ourselves in the right position because we've survived. We've survived, but now what? You know, now AR and VR, and you talk about all these other things that are popping up in training and aspects. And it's not like they just popped up in the pandemic. I want to be clear. These things have been going on for multiple they years. People just don't, their, their, their nerve endings are dead on it or something. Like, I guess this last couple of weeks, and uh, just to catch the viewers up, like we're recording this in, in um, early November. So this is just the week after a lot of the commentary on Tesla, for instance, started sort of flipping. Before was like, oh, GM's going to sort of come into this, and they're going to they're going to sort of blow this blow this little company away, and they don't this overpriced and all this. And the commentary the last week or so has sort of been like, you know, this Tesla is very real, and looks like they are really going to sell many cars, and and the stock has just like jumped up. I think from eight hundred or nine hundred to twelve hundred dollars in a week. And I use this as a way to get my kids into stock. So I got them, and I, I got them a little. I have a little app that I can actually have accounts for my kids. And we all bought some Tesla stock together before the leap. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, they like they like stocks now. It, it's it's interesting that you said. I mean, I maybe I, I don't really watch too much TV or or read. I mean, I, I've been taught as you know. I was I've been on air talking about Tesla since it was a you know. I still remember mm -hmm. when it was almost four twenty, four dollars and twenty cents. I was live on CNN <laughs> talking about that, about you know how Elon tweeted and he wasn't supposed to do that. And I'm like, yeah, this stock is, it's got you know I don't the the EV industry is on fire. I mean, it's been in fire. That was two years ago when I said it. So when you say well, people are like people like if, really didn't listen to you though. That must have been strange. Well, it, it, well, well, that's why when I'm hearing you going, oh, people thinking about Tesla. I'm not thinking just about Tesla. I'm thinking about who are the next star. Look at Rivian that's backed by Amazon, supposed to be a six billion valuation, according to the Wall Street Journal. Think, look what Lucid just went IPO through a SPAC. You know, you think about um, Polestar through the GDPI SPAC yeah. is about to probably go IPO sometime next year, is what the rumors are. I mean, these are when they come out, Ron. These are billion dollar valuations. These are not. I mean, yes, they're just valuation. They're a number, but it's because the demand. Is and they're very real too. Like I, I actually, you know, I hadn't heard of Pol that Polestar, and I saw one drive past. They have a product. They actually have a product. This is not like they're something. Selling cars. Yeah, I mean, I think Lucid. I don't. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Polestar is a lot further advanced than Lucid was, um, or mm -hmm. Lucid is when they IPO'd. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, like if Lucid IPO'd, I think as high. I think they got up to forty to fifty bucks or whatever. I think it's around twenty something now. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not speculating anything. It's just world. well, the markets are crazy anyway. So anyone listening to this, make sure you know your fundamentals. Make sure you read the profit, profit, and and you know you want companies that make money. And this is no different than any startups, right? When you're pitching, you that's what you should be looking at. You can't be buying okay. the hype. Don't buy our hype. You should be buying, you know, reading the actual details of their quarterly earnings and those kind of things. Actually, it's a good practice to actually buy. It was a good segue. It, it, it is. is good I think this is good. So we can transition towards something like more. Uh, startup and biotech now, but like, I mean, the, the real thing here is if you're, the real thread there for me is that if you sort of like understand something fundamentally, you don't have to rely on the news, right? You can actually, you can actually make cogent decisions and, and do well in the market. 
So I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't hear, it's funny, I didn't hear any of, you know, you got that feeling in the last week. I, I, maybe I just tuned out of it. Um, I'm just like, yeah, this thing is, it, it, I almost feel like, well, it's too, not too late is the right word, but like, yeah, you are. If you, not, not for, I mean, I've been starting a Tesla for a while, but it, it, what happened was, is a bunch of the news, like on, on several of the newscasts, and I, I won't name any names, but some of the analysts, you know, the pot, the YouTubers sort of say, well, you know, and I think it is pretty much true that like, you know, the large broadcast networks, they get a revenue, significant revenue from car ads, That's true. but they get no revenue from Tesla ads. <laughs> and so they were being fairly skeptical about it. And then they kind of stopped about two weeks ago. And so this is something I look for. There's, there's two, tr there's two trends. There's, there's the Ryan Patel trend where <laughs> values are like, Hey, you know what? This is like a hundred billion dollar company and it's priced at about five billion dollars. It's not overpriced. And then there's uh and 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 the Kathy Woods, like the Kathy Woods people. And then then there's other people who are like looking for social signal. And those social signals trail like a gigantic amount of time. And that's what kicked in this last week is that the general public attitude uh for for some of the more just people who are just basically doing opinion leading, they they flipped. And so all these people came in. It was compared to where it's been, it's not a big bump for the stock, but 30% in one week is still pretty good. Uh, but I think I think it's a transition in the no, I mean, in the way see the stock. Yeah, no, it's um it's changed the way we look. I mean, you just talk about young generation of wanting to be interesting and asking, like your kids are gonna ask the right questions when they get older about, well, what's the PE, what's the future look like, what the competitors look like, what's their market cap? I mean, these are basic things that you know, I see even in pitches doesn't come across right in the startup realm. Uh, and, you know, it, you can tell if somebody was just reading off a slide or somebody really understands it or it's okay not to have the answers either, by the way. We don't all know the answers. I don't even know the answers either. But at least you can put some logic to go why and how you're thinking about it and then people can see it. That's right. It's, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, it's a strange place. It's great to talk with people who are in the same place as me, like, you know, I think you and I live in a world where a lot of trends are very clear and we sort of like operate on a level where the trends are, are, are they're pretty much established. But for a lot of people, they're like, what's going to, you know, it's just not clear this is going to happen. And uh, it's it's sort of isolating in a way. The disconnect is, even though we may think it is a trend or we think it's going to happen, the disconnect is, the operationally, how is it going to occur, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. that's huge, right? Of how you get it to the masses. You may have the best idea, but not be able to get it to the masses or operationally execute. Then it doesn't matter. You can have the best product and if you can't do it right or give the right experience, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, then, and then, then does the money come in? Because the money follows those sort of like social sort of like signals. Uh, so that's something that, I mean, like, I actually want to move toward food because this is a, let's show the food side of Ryan, but like, I like to compare the biofuels movement of the early 2000s with sort of the food movement today. So just for, for, for the listeners uh, who haven't been aware of it, there was this big idea around 2000, what, 2004, 2006, where people said like, we can make, uh, we can make microbes make fuel. We don't have to pull it out of the ground and it'll be closed carbon loop. The, the carbon will come from the atmosphere into the little microbes and then it'll get turned into gasoline and the, then the, the cars will burn it. And that'll, that'll sort of like stop that CO2 leak, right? And it was a great idea, 
but there was never any public uptake from it, you know? And what happens was the, the companies were sort of desperate for money. And so the, the petroleum companies came and gave them money and then they took the patents and all the other property and they just folded it in. Now they, as electric car trend goes up, they may actually turn back to those patents now, but, uh, but it kind of just withered. It, it substantially, it never turned into a wave. Whereas food is really different. Food is, uh, I think $10 billion was invested in food innovation startups this last year. Uh, at least well, between four and 10 billion, let's say. It's just been this huge wave. And five years ago, when I got started, it was like $5 million. <laughs> and so we're all hitting that kind of social awareness trend right now. Um, so, but, uh, but we're also seeing a lot of other things that are sort of moving that uh, that that trend forward in food right now. You want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the consumers is a lot smarter than you know. And when I mean smarter, I mean they're asking better questions. They're reading packages details. They're reading nutritional nutritional facts. No one is as scared as when you go into a restaurant. And go, does this have X, Y, and Z? Am I, you know, it, it. I know for me, decades ago, I used to be embarrassed to ask. Hey, does this thing have X or Y? Because they will look at you. Now it's a lot more normal, and I think it it, it people don't mind asking it, you know, or answering it, or and there's a lot more options when it's vegetarian or you know, you know, cage free, whatever you want to mention. People are asking those questions because they're educating themselves. So there's a baseline to that, right? This is not just companies educating consumers. Consumers are wanting to educate themselves, and they're doing that. So at all at the same time, that just makes what a better conversation for these food brands to meet at the level for them. So words don't, words just don't, it's great if you say you're one thing, but actions matter, right? How you look at those things. And food sustainability is very interesting as a conversation because, you know, the what I'm seeing is that you have to be more transparent. Transparency is something that, you know, it, it's all, it, yes, we know you got to build trust, but, you know, when you're transparent, you're going to, have some successes and some mistakes. The consumer has gone from trust to trust, but verify. Um, <laughs> that's but but I, I don't think we're going backwards. I think we're going to just verify. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I think you tell me that, and, and you have to embrace that. If you embrace that full force, if you're a startup or a founder, you immediately have that trust until you break it. Uh, you know, actually, what's what what's happened is, first of all, I want to give a shout out to the younger consumers. Because the Gen Zs and Gen Ys, they are they're pushing most of this trend. And some of these older older execs who are sitting in the bigger companies, they don't they don't see them very clearly, and so they don't understand that the market's shifting substantially. But I was just at University of California Davis, which is yesterday. It was one of the best food. It's one of the best schools in the food schools on the planet, and they have this student course that the students are basically putting together on alternative proteins and plant-based foods, they are completely engaged. Like they are pushing the system to actually create a program on lab-grown meat there. It's the first in the world of that's kind. And it's, it's, uh, it's all coming from the will of the younger people. You know, That's usually not how things work in academia. I spend a lot of time there. That's, that's, that's amazing to me. I mean, I would even take a foot more. The elementary school kids are learning about um, sustainability and talk about it. There's a, there's a. I don't know if you've heard of the Crop Trust. They, they run the seed vault in Norway, 
So, um, and it's oh, wow. they push, they push all. They push, tell them about the default. Yeah. Tell, tell. So this eight-year-old did a report on it, and it's on there. If you go at, you know, I think it's at Crop Trust. If you look at their, um, he put a whole report out together with chapters about why food diversity of seeds matter, and that all the world seeds of the specific crops are in this food vault in Norway, which is at a temperature in the mountain. So if famine hits, devastation or civil arrest, you don't lose that crop specifically to that country. So even where countries don't even like each other and they don't want to talk to each other at the seed vault, their seeds are next to their other seeds. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing because, you know, they're talking about how crop diversity matters because, you know, if you keep doing the same plant, I don't want to get the details, you know, I don't need to tell you, you know, this is gonna... I don't. I don't even want to think about what I was doing at that age. I think I was eating my own boogers. That was I mean, it, it was a, such a great report from an eight-year-old that you just kind of go, "Wow, I did. I, I didn't even know that." And, and and you could tell this wasn't something. It was passion from these kids. And and this just that generation is just going to take us, you know, as long as you know what we need to be open and and embrace and not just to listen, actively listen. To, to incorporate all this, and that's what long, you know, longevity, that's, that's what it is. That's such an unusual thing, too. Like, to have, I mean, we're always, there's always been a lot of lip, lip praise for, uh, for the young people who speak out, but actually, they actually are kind of taking over now. <laughs> I just, I don't think people are really under, that's another thing I don't think people are really aware of, how much it's being driven by young people right now. And all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, that's for me, you know, when I sit on these boards or gardening boards that are scaling, like, especially it, that you've got to bring that, you know, you got to challenge, you've got to challenge these notions. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're paid there to do. I guess so. I guess so. But if you can't see them, how can you adopt them? Like, I think, <laughs> well, if you don't understand them completely, right, how can you? How can I mean, you the agency is driving this is very much still kind of invisible. They're not spending a lot of money. They don't have a lot of their own money, but they will be dominant in 10 years or five years. And everybody knows it, but they still can't act on it. You know, it's still, it, it, it's coming along quickly, but but now, and I think it's, I, I think it, anybody moves three or four years ago, like maybe we did, like, I think that's going to be uh, to our benefit. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I just want to say really quickly, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Thanks to thanks to Matt and Jessica and everybody for helping us put this together. Okay, so uh, we're probably gonna have to, this has been great, I could imagine going on for quite a long time, but let's, uh, let's, 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 let's change it up a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, you're, start, you're working with st several startups now, as well as the multinationals now, and uh, you, you, you're an advisor for some of them. And well, let's talk about, for the hustlers, like what uh, what does a startup need from your point of view? Like, what do you think that they that is a developmental sort of issue that that you kind of see when you work with them? Well, I don't need to say anything. They're usually telling me. <laughs> They're usually telling me, like, oh. it, it, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I think one having self awareness about how the skill set that you're good at and that you're not good at. I see a lot of mm -hmm. founders say, "Well, I'm not really good at this." Like, okay, so what are you doing to get better? Right, like it's not just recognize. It's great you got to recognize step one, step two. How do you execute on those things? Um, so that's one. And I think the ability to you know pivot in certain aspects that you're you're keeping an open mindedness. Again, I think many do, but those are some traps that if you are not open minded in certain things, 
there you, you know that'll be a, that'll be a trap. Yeah. So the the other aspect that I see, and I did this talk actually for the Nasdaq. Um, it was around. It was funny. The whole talk was around advisory boards, and mm-hmm. I, I I I couldn't tell you. I think there's a shift of how that's being used because before, you know, people were you know using the advisory board as employees, right? Hey, I put you on board. You go do sales for me. And, and that's fine, that's okay, but this is not really what's meant to have that. You know, when a company goes from seed, or pre-seed to seed to seed, series A, that's a lot of jumps right there <laughs> from revenue and going fast and what worked for you in the beginning, you've got to identify and have people who are going to challenge you and look at different, not just trends, but look at different things that you can learn from other industries. And I think that that's a trend that I think is starting to be a little more savvier where, okay, here's my industry. This is what we do, but like, how else can we do it better and look at other places? And I think understanding that and incorporating that and, you know, all the, the, the words about speed and, 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 and finding, you know, Ronnie, you know, I talk about this. Yeah. When you do raise money, finding the right partner, like it, it used to, not all money is equal. Um, and, and finding the right partner investor who believes in your mission, but also, knows your leadership style, know how you want to grow being on the same page. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that there's been people go, well, I took this money and, you know, now I need to figure out how to please them. This is not my vision. And, you know, it does slow the growth down. And part of that, part of it is you got to spend that time up front, meaning on your relational, relational match. You have to grow in your relationships and how you relate to people in a way that mind-blowing when you're starting to scale out and, and and part of that too is that that bad experience if you had a bad experience before you makes you a little bit triggerless if going forward and it's like well i had this and i don't trust this and like yeah that i completely understand yeah i mean it's that punch in the face again at some you point, keep, it's, you, it's keep, you keep trying to punch people in the face. I'm gonna tell everyone just you know, avoid duck, look around. If you want to, if you want to hook right back, just move to the left and right. So every time Ron says something, you're gonna keep moving. Some people, I mean, something unexpected will happen, or they'll be faced with a challenge they have really no point of reference from, and the natural thing to do is freeze. Uh, uh, but and and so you've got you've seen I've seen these companies running full speed, and suddenly they just stop. You know, and uh, it's 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 really dramatic, but I think I think um, one thing I always wish I I don't know I've never really said it, but I keep thinking it. it's like uh, is that there's no extra there's no bonus at the exit for doing something completely by yourself. You know, and I think that having uh, that's why I like working uh, you know with the accelerator and 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 doing advisor work is because it's always different. People always have their own challenges, but. People for, I mean, another thing about startups people forget is this, you know, you can hear about someone pulling in six or $20 million or $150 million, but by definition, a startup is always poor. It almost just barely has enough money to get along because it has to go to investors to get it. You're not making your own money if you're having invest, which means you need to be real careful how you spend it. And it's not going to be, you, you know, you're not going to be spending freely like a company is making its own profits and just spending those for R&D, you know? Uh, and so advisors are, you know, advisors are key to learn things you have no experience in. Well, I mean, I think also too, and, and I'm not saying everyone, hey, go create, create one, but it's like, I, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was younger. It's like, you know, everyone goes go network or network. That's great. But why don't you go network with quality, right? Spend time mm-hmm. where you can learn from other people 
just like you wouldn't have access, you know, be very strategic about where and who you spend your time networking with, because that means you're putting yourself in the best position because you see some of that trend, right? You see something that's different and that you're pushing yourself on it. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're giving yourself an education. <laughs> that no, no, that's a good way of putting it. I think you should be looking. I, I, I've always, and this is how we met, but I'm always looking to network people, network with people who clearly know something I don't know. You know, and it's all about, it's partly about just looking at yourself and saying, hey, I need to keep growing up. Um, I, I have seen teams get to that point where they feel like they are grown up. And I just never, I just, I, I just don't see. But I, but I, that, but I do want yeah. to stop you here though, Ron, because yeah. you do something and I think others do too. It's, mm. it's, I think we all can add benefit yeah. to each other. Yeah. And that it's you, true. You've got to keep that in mind though, because you know, it's a two way relationship to, to the degree and, 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 and the great ones, the great people, mm. like mm. You, you know, I told you this, like, when you give benefit to somebody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, it, it could be anything that's beneficial to the other person. It, it just shows that's your right. character, like, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. They're willing to connect. They're willing to help. You know, it just creates a relationship that's a different, different, different way. And as, long as, as long as it's genuine, right? <laughs> you still be yeah, no, but, yeah. Well, sometimes it's artificial, but it can still be, you know, as long as you're clear about it. I mean, it's better than nothing. But yeah, I mean, people really, I, I, I can't tell you how many people, I know you both, we both have the same thing. It's like a lot of people come to me and really what the conversation is, they want free advice and they never stop. I don't think they really think it's like, you know, that's not a conversation where uh, I can give freely uh, and I shouldn't have to feel that I should. Uh, and I don't really, know, you know, I think it's just a lack of experience that like, hey, you know, you want to get something, you have a relationship with somebody. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a, a direct exchange of human beings it isn't just sort of like me just trying to like run in there and just like ask a bunch of questions and come home and build build my business from that so are you talking about the people who just say hey can you just give me your email so i can send you the deck and then they never hear about you they never they just want to send you the deck and they never hear they never hear back they never hear back ever yeah it's true yeah and i like to give good advice uh and people ask me very pointed questions that are extremely valuable <laughs> when I do interviews and I'll, I'll, I'll do that for about 20 minutes or so just to show what I can do. But you know, nobody, about maybe one out of three people t calls and I'm like, I'm not sure they got that. Like in 20 minutes, I can do this much. If I work with you a hundred hours, you're going to get like 180 times that. I don't think any people really, some people never put that together, which I find interesting. Uh, but you know, I think that is a, that's, that's a developmental thing. You, you learn that sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, and I think people also don't realize that we know, right? If we go, hey, hey, we just want to get on a call. We just want to sell yeah. you thing and then get off. Well, that doesn't really, I mean, that's. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but like it, you know, that, but like people keep behaving that way all the way up. Like I, it's not just startup people. I've met and literally like, me, people uh, who have almost a billion dollars. Let me be clear. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I, I, I think, yeah, I, mean, I think I'm just saying, hey. You know, mm -hmm. there are, you know, when you do do that, and sometimes maybe we do, I mean, we know the other person knows that, okay, this person just needs this and that's fine. You can go and I'll, I'm happy to forward the deck to whomever, which is, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's right. But, but 
you know, that was the purpose of the relationship, right? Just yeah, and, and I'm going to have to handle that in a way that I make sure that you don't damage my relationships with these people on board of the deck too. And, you know, if you're really thoughtful about that, um, you know, if, if, if you're looking to turn the company into a $10 million company by introductions, then, you know, uh, I think you should realize that you're asking for something valuable too. Like, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who will do it for cash um, and maybe they won't do such a great job. Maybe they will, you know, but I think it's fair to say that you're getting something out of it. So, you know, uh, that, that's, that, that is how it's going to have to be from now on. I mean, with all your business relationships, so, you know, help the people who are, you know, work with the people who are helping get started too. That's true. Man. Uh, interesting. Uh, all right. So let's see. So I'm going to, this seems a good time to break. So actually, actually, I want to get back to this, you know, advisors. Like we could talk about, there's a couple of things like you often go on boards, um, you, but sometimes you do sort of direct advice to companies. Let's talk about how that works longer term. When you, when you do have a relationship, like you, you have a couple of stories that maybe you can tell about uh, how that's how that works with you and sort of how you engage people. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I, 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 you know, I, I have a wide range of company sizes, right? You know, I could go to a larger company and sit on their aspects, but you know, the, the, the sweet spot from even C to B, I mean, there's a lot of different revenues, right? Just because you're a seed round doesn't mean you're not making money <laughs> or you could be making money or a series A company. Um, and so for me, I always look at the bigger picture. It's like you see all these companies right before the PIPO, then they go and try to hire all these board members and, and get everything set, which is fair. But what if you can get some of that quality earlier in the life of yeah. the company? It would be so beneficial. And like for me, I love it's not just being a part of quarterly meetings, especially with younger companies. Yeah. Get on a call once a month. Um, and you know, usually the ones that I'm with, they're so efficient with their time. They'll have all the questions ready to go and say, Hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z. What do you think? You know, we, we're mm -hmm. thinking this, Ryan, but in your experience, you did this. Why? We're, we're having a, you know, our ET executive teams having, we're fighting on something here. What, you know, what is it? You know, what are we not missing? You know, right. those are really pinpointed questions that are like, you know, I'm not in the, you know, I'm not trying to be in the business because if you let the leaders run it. Um, you're just there for that governance is what I call it. It's a different type of governance, which mm -hmm. I enjoy, but usually board execs that are on publicly traded companies, they usually don't, can't be prop, you know, not majority of the time won't be great advisors or board advisors for startups because they're right. so higher up and um, to that degree. And, and their experience maybe just be fortune yeah. 500 experience. I, it's a strategic level yeah. of, of things they're, they're helping you with. And unfortunately for me, you know, I've seen on both sides and seen the struggle of like, oh, scaling from, you know, 5 million to 50 million is really different, right? From That's one, really one, vulnerable one, time for a startup too. Like when you're just starting to make money, it looks like real money, but the goal is to make a hundred times that. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that happens there. And I think you'd probably, I mean, I think it's better to be asking a hundred questions than pretending, you know, and just sort of like learning on your own. I, I just can't, uh, I just can't imagine how stressful that period is. But it is, and but it is stressful you know. because you're going to be mm -hmm. compromising something when you go from one to five and five to 50, because if something mm -hmm. is going to change more than likely, I, I almost can assure you that when you started saying, Hey, this is something that we can never compromise. This is who we are. 
I'm not talking about values. I'm just talking about certain ways that you do things. And when you get to 5 million, you're like, oh, how do we go global? How do we get to, you yeah. know, this country in the MENA region? Or how do we, you know, why is it different? Well, we said we weren't going to do this before, but now we are doing it. Why? And what can you learn? And so I think if you, again, if you from one to 5 million could start to think about the things that you're going to start preparing when you get to the next, it's going to make your transition so much easier versus, hey, we're at 5 million now. We're ready to go. It doesn't work that way as always. I think I think I got a, I think I have a good sort of like, way of talking about that particular difficulty too, because up until that certain point where you're really starting to scale, everything you're allowed to do things really expensive. Like the first million, well, company, like a company that raised $15 million and achieves $10 million in sales, right? That's expensive. Clearly that's a company that would normally die. <laughs> and that, but that's a lot of startups. But the next 10 or 20 million, it's got to cost like two or 3 million. Yeah, because you have to make a profit. And so all the mindset you have about how you're deploying this, how you're actually um, actually doing sales, everything's got to be restructured because you got to make a profit all of a sudden. Yeah. That's a big trend. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's um, just, just different phases, different stages. And, you know, you, you want to, I mean, let me, let me be very honest about this. You need to have a diverse perspective and viewpoints around you, you know, some and that includes gender equity and having you know different experiences, That's backgrounds. Right. These things matter. If for, and if you can, if you're trying to do a quick buck and try to sell, you know, thirty. I mean, I'm talking about you want to build something longevity with people that matters and have a higher valuation. These things will help you in the long run. And everybody, everybody who's interested in startups, ought to remember you got to constantly remember, like, yeah, I've raised twenty million dollars. Yeah, my company on paper is two hundred fifty million dollars. But I haven't actually taken any money home. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's. A, I think that people just sort of have to remember all that is fake until it's real, yeah. and that last stage of getting real is super important. And we all hear about these wonderful companies doing that, like Tesla, right? Yeah. Like Pinkberry. But but there, for every one of them, there's like twenty or thirty of them that you never hear about and really never want to hear about because they just completely just died. Yeah. And. Uh, and you don't want to be in that. That's a very stressful place to be, to be in one of those situations. And so experience, my friends, is the way to get through that. And actually, a lot of all the startups are looking for experienced people all of a sudden, but they may not be used to sort of like transitioning into them. And and, and the advisor board will help a lot with that is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you pick people, you, and you're, you're thinking about how it fits overall, right? Like I said, diversity perspective. You don't, if you're, if you're a food company or, I was picking the health insurance. You don't want all seven people around you from the same dang industry. Let's just be honest. You want people that who can challenge each other and you get something. And, you know, the younger company you are, you, you, you can add the skills that, you know, what are you needing more of, right? It was funny. You said leadership. I said leadership uh, more recently has been popping up when people, founders and CEOs of that are even larger companies are saying, I need this. I just need, yeah. I need this. I don't need a technically a coach, but I want something else. I want these things that I need to get better. And I want this type of experience. And that's, for me, that's eye-opening because just imagine the value of someone's opening their mind and willing to put resources and time to doing something like that, Ron. It's going to, it's going to have a huge impact on their organization. Ahead for something you know nothing about is also very time. That's very time consuming. Yeah. You know? For the, the for the listeners, if you've been listening to the whole series, we've had three companies on before this conversation. 
Two of them are currently in blitz scaling. They're actually scaling product to revenue right now. And, and, and you know, things are going so fast. Can you imagine trying to move volume and start to get your sales going at the same time, having to plan for that rollout phase where you have to change your culture and start to be more efficient in how you market and, and improve your margin and actually meet all your goals. That's coming right on the tail of that. And I see a lot of companies just switching modes and say, okay, now it's time to hire a bunch of experienced people. And they don't really have a track record or they're not prepared for it. Um, and that's disorienting. It, it, can, it can still work, but um, why, you know, why not, why take the chance, yeah. right? I mean, why not be better prepared? Because uh, you know it's coming. It is. Um, and, you know, I, truthfully, I'm so excited about this waves of startups, Ron. I really am because mm -hmm. it's just a lot more sophistication, a lot more eyes open, a lot more kind of something, you know, seeing the bigger impact, right? When people go, well, I want to make an impact with my, it's, they're struggling, some people are struggling with because I have this product and service, but I want to do more in the community. I may be doing something else, but how do I give back? How do I talk about financial literacy? How do I train and get more healthier food to younger? Like, I love that, Ron. Even if their product and service has nothing to do with maybe the direct impact, they're trying to find a way to tie it in. And for me, this is this this is just, it is inspiring to see that, you know, people are putting their hands up, raising their hands and go, yeah, it's great if I get a $500 million exit, but if I feel I can't do other things that I can leave and look back at the legacy, you know, I want to do it the way, the right Sorry. way. And, um, you know, that's just, it, that's role models right there. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree. I love my people uh, because I know that we're all in there for really fantastic reasons. And I think this is getting back to the earlier point you made about relationships. You know, if you really want to connect with people who are really going to help you achieve your goals and really understand your vision and help you achieve those goals, I mean, you know, form relationships with them. And that's how, that's how things really, that's how really great things are done. You know, uh, uh, just couldn't agree more. Well, we are, you know, we, I, I can't believe we've been talking for quite a while now, <laughs> 45 minutes. So I'm going to, I know you've got other things to do. I'm reluctantly going to wrap this up. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for having us. Uh, all the people who are interested to know Ryan a little better should follow him on LinkedIn. I think his LinkedIn profile is here in the description. And you are doing some new things on LinkedIn you want to tell people about. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Actually, I've got yeah. a brand new LinkedIn learning course uh, out on um, November 11th. Uh, and it's the title, which I hope you all enjoy, Cultivate a Global Entrepreneurial Mindset in a Remote Working World. And I'm just ex so honored and excited that they approached me That's to wanting happen. to put a course like this together because I did this course and you can hopefully see the passion that I, that I had doing it and it's a conversational style is because I wish somebody would have told me these things that I didn't need more of these resources. I didn't have the resources to go do these things to gain global experience in those things. And this is a, some of the ways and tips that I did it. And I think you can easily do it too. And, um, and I'm just happy to kind of share it where you can learn these skill sets without even getting on a plane uh, and you could do it in front of your computer. There you have it. Ryan's giving away a little piece of himself for anybody who can connect through LinkedIn. Uh, Ryan, send me the link for the course and I'll put it on the description for the class, for the podcast here. Yeah, and then I think to the, uh, to the audience, feel free to follow. I think the best way, you know, because yeah. I've got quite a few, you know, 
connections Get always maximum. Ryan Patel every day. <laughs> so feel free to follow and then send me if you feel like send me a DM and I'll always respond to the DM. The, oh, wow. the connection requests are kind of at the max limit that's good. <laughs> uh, but i will promise it may take more than a few minutes but he'll get back yeah to just just you know hit the follow and then send me a dm and i'll, I'll i will dm back that's fabulous that's fabulous well um i also want to say you can uh this has been a super pleasure to be with you guys for four podcasts um i'm hoping i'll see you guys again somewhere on online um uh, you can also connect with me on linkedin i have a website iaccelerate.tech I'm always looking for really ambitious uh, startup founders who are going to change the world. And I'd be happy to help uh, get people like Ryan and myself to come along and help you achieve those goals. So, uh, so I guess that's it, though. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Uh, find Fullscale on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast. Check out the YouTube channel, and we will see you on the Internet. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.